For those of you that were here last uh, weekend, they gave us all a verse to memorize, okay? It was our, our homework assignment, okay? So each week you have homework you, you got to do. And so uh, I, I want us all to say, no, no, hey, 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 get that off the screen. <laughs> There's no cheating here. I know how you all were when you were in high school. Okay, not here. I'm the teacher. Okay, let's say it's 2 uh, Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, out loud together, okay? If my people who are called by my name... Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Folks, some of you were doing it. Those that were laughing, they didn't have it done. And so they're trying to disrupt you. Don't let the, the, the mockers. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, but really, really, just keep at it. I want to start again. Here, here we go. All right, now, if you don't know it, it's okay. It's all right. But if you do know it, just do your best to try to get this out here, okay? Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. One, two, three. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn. Okay. Some of our, uh, our teachers and administrators from our school are here. I don't know what kind of grade they, they would give. And put, put it up on the jumbotrons, okay? Some of you are going, man, I knew I shouldn't have came to church tonight. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't put much juice into it. Let's say it out loud together. Here we go. If my people who are called by my name... Okay, that's not bad. Now, now, yeah, here's the deal. Keep at it. Keep at it. Part of memorizing verses and all of that or chapters of the Word of God is you have to keep going back. You have to keep going back. We had Genesis 1-1. That was our first week. This is our second week. We'll have one, you know, tonight, next week. And keep, just keep working at it. It's a good thing to just keep the Word of God in front of you. And some of you will be able to memorize these verses better than others. Um, but give, give it a shot. You know, this passage right here tells us that humility and seeking after God and turning from evil and, and living holy are all things that matter to God. They matter to God. You know, Bobby shared that passage from James that we're to not just be hearers of the word, but we're to be doers of the word also. And here God says, look, family, I, I want you to humble yourself. Live humbly before me. I, I want you to seek me, seek my face. And I want to make sure that you turn from evil. And when you recognize that evil's in your life, repent of it immediately. If so a friend or a loved one or a spouse or a parent or a child comes and exposes evil in your life, turn from it. Those are all things that, that God wants from us. Well, um, 
we're in a series here at Big Valley Grace where each weekend I'm, uh, I'm unpacking the life of some biblical character or person that I think that we'd all, you know, should know of. You know, so far we, we've looked at the, the life of Adam and, and, and Eve, you know, they were the first two human beings ever created. And then we looked at uh, Cain and Abel, they were the first two uh, uh, children on planet Earth. Today we're going to look at the life of, of Noah. Now, when this series was all being laid out, and Noah didn't make the list, um, I feel like I've talked about Noah a, a, a lot, um, and so he just, he didn't make the cut. And as we talked and dialogued, you know, everybody said, hey, look, if you're trying to kind of hit the highlights of people in the Old Testament, Adam and Eve, you know, Cain and Abel, and, you know, all of them, you, you, you got to... You got to talk about Noah. It doesn't matter how many times people have heard about Noah. You got to talk about Noah. And so um, I'm going to talk about Noah. And I told the the staff just a minute ago. I'm I'm glad that I was talked into that. And I was talked into it a long time ago. But God knew exactly where I was going to be this week, this past week. And I needed to just look at the life of Noah. My, I, I was encouraged by reading the life of Noah. So I was very thankful that a long time ago, God encouraged some people uh, to get me to keep Noah in the little series here. Um, you find the story of Noah in Genesis chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9. And, and this is your homework assignment. I want you to read those chapters. You ought to know what 6, 7, 8, and 9 are all about. I, I want you to, to read them because every Christian should, should know the story. It's um, a super important part of human history. Not just biblical history, but human history. And before I jump into this, I, I need to lay the foundation, if I, if I might, in Genesis chapter 2, we're told about Adam and Eve. They were the very first two human beings on, on planet Earth. It tells us that God formed Adam from the dust of the ground, and then he breathes into his nose the, the breath of life, and then Adam became the first living, breathing human being. Then God took a, a rib out of the side of Adam, and then he created Eve, and obviously they became the, the very first married couple. Then you get to Genesis chapter 3, and we read about Adam and Eve's sin. They chose not to follow God's command, and they ate from the tree that God had told them not to, to eat from. Then Genesis chapter 4 tells us about the first two children, Cain and Abel. And as I said, we looked at them last week, and we got to see sin in the second generation. We see Cain, who murders his brother Abel. Now, when you get to the life of Noah, about nine generations have gone by. So you have Adam and Eve, the first generation. You got Cain and Abel and all the rest of their children. And they had other children besides those two, Adam and Eve did. That would have been the second generation. And now we're at the ninth um, generation, okay? Which means we've had nine generations of sin and things aren't good on planet Earth in this ninth generation. 
If you have a Bible, you can turn to Genesis chapter 6, okay? If you don't have a Bible, it'll, the, all the verses will be in your notes, or they'll come up on the jumbotrons. They'll even come up on your computer screen if you're watching this at, at home. If you don't have a Bible, it'd be our uh, honor to give you one. You can go into the altar room afterwards, and we'll give you a copy of the Word of God. Verse 5 says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. We're nine generations into sin, and, in, in, and on planet earth it's a mess. God sees all the sin. God sees all the wickedness. God sees all the disobedience, you see. And things are no different today. <laughs> God can see all the wickedness. He sees all the disobedience that goes on. He sees all of the, 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 the sin. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I'm sorry I ever made them. How we live matters, doesn't it, to God? How we choose to live our lives, he sees it. He notices it. But Noah found favor with the Lord. In the midst of this chaos, there's a guy named Noah. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah's a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. And I'm going to stop right there, okay? And as I said, it's your homework assignment to read Genesis 6, 7, 8, and 9. Read the whole story of, of, of Noah. Now, without a doubt, the story of Noah and the ark is well known. Even people that don't believe in God or the Bible have heard of the story of Noah and the ark. There was a big Hollywood movie that was made that was really bogus. It did not... It was, it was really fantasy. Most of what happened in that movie, if you saw the movie with Russell Crowe, was really crummy. It just didn't follow the biblical account. And, um, and so if you, if you saw that movie, let me just tell you, there weren't any rock creatures, okay? You're not going to read about that in Genesis 6, 7, 8, 9. <laughs> You're not going to read about a stowaway <laughs> in Genesis 6, 7, 8, or 9. You're not going to read about any of that stuff. But... Uh, too bad you can't get your money back, though. Jeez. But the bummer is, is that most people, even a lot of Christians, don't believe that it's a real historical story. They think it's uh, mythological or it's just a fairy tale or whatever. And they're wrong. 
The story of Noah and the ark is absolutely real. It, it actually happened, and there's all kinds of scientific evidence out there that, that supports it. Now, this message isn't a message to try to prove whether it happened or not. But when you read Genesis 6, 7, 8, and 9, that, that's a real story that really happened. Now, as I said a, a minute ago, at this moment in history, things aren't uh, good here on planet Earth. The world has become a crummy place. The world has become morally bankrupt. Sin was running rampant. Evil was everywhere. Nobody cared about righteousness. Nobody cared about holiness. Oh, I think that there were people who would have told you they cared about God, but they didn't care about holiness and righteousness, and there's a difference. I know a lot of people who will tell you how much they love Jesus, and they want to talk about God all day long, but they're not living holy lives. They're not living righteous lives. This is a culture today that loves to talk about how much they love God and Jesus and all that, as they're just living in blatant sin. This was a culture where nobody cared about God. In fact, things were so bad that when God looked down from heaven, he was grieved. In fact, God was so grieved that he actually regretted the fact that he had created human beings. This was a, a serious moment in world history. Okay? That's why it's important that you know it. But in the midst of all of this evil and, and, and sin and, and chaos, God finds one person, one person that does care about God, one person that does care about righteousness, one person that does care about holiness, one person that isn't being just swept away with, you know, the direction that the culture was, was, was headed in, and that was Noah. Look again at verse 8. But Noah found favor with the Lord. Another version says, Noah pleased the Lord. One version says it like this, God liked what he saw in Noah. Isn't that a great phrase? Isn't that something you want? I mean, don't you want God to look down at your life and say, man, I like what I see in that guy. I like what I see in that gal. That guy, you know, brings me joy. That guy brings me pleasure. Don't you wish that if God were going to write another book, if you will, that he'd look down and go, that guy found favor in my eyes. I mean, don't you want that, believer? I think we all do. I think if you truly know Christ, there's something within you that says, man, I want God to somehow look down from heaven, look at my life, and go, wow, that guy, that gal cares deeply about me, cares about living according to my word. They're, they're living a holy life, a righteous life. They're not just a, a hearer of the word, but they're somebody that lives it out. Ephesians chapter 4 says this, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. You see, it's possible as a Christian to live in such a way that you grieve God, that you bring sorrow to him. Now, you don't lose your salvation or anything like that. 
but you grieve God. And I think it's the desire of any true believer, any genuine follower of Christ, that they would go, man, that's the last thing I want to do with my life. I don't want to, you know, bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by how I live. I want to make sure that somehow, like Noah, I want, I want, I want God to see, you know, my holiness, my righteousness. I want that because of all that he's done for me, you know. It just kind of makes some sense. When Noah was alive, everybody lived in such a way that it grieved God. Isn't that weird? The whole human race was messed up except for Noah and his family. That's it. So this ninth generation, we, we see the, the implications of Genesis chapter 3, the sin that came into the world. And, and if there's one church in this town, in this state, that's going to understand Genesis 1, 2, and 3, it's going to be this one. I talk about it all the time. You need to understand Genesis 3. Because what we're seeing here in this ninth generation is just sin running rampant. So what was it about Noah's life that pleased God? And this is where I always go whenever I look at the life of Noah. What, what, what did God see when he looked at the life of Noah that he liked? Okay, verse 8 says that, man, God saw him and went, wow, man, I like that guy. Thumbs up to that guy. Hip, hip, hooray, that guy. What was it about his life? Because whatever, you know, God saw in the life of Noah, th th these are the same things that you and I need to be doing. These are the same things that we need to be practicing because they pleased God. So what did you know, God see that, that pleased him? Well, no, number one, and I've worded these so many different ways over the years. Um, number one, Noah was willing to stand alone for the Lord. I mean, that's one of the great messages of the story of Noah. It's, it's not a story about a boat. It really isn't. It's a great story of a guy who was living in a culture that was just crummy, evil, wicked. And he was willing to stand alone. Verse 9 says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person on earth at the time. Think that through. You're it. Imagine, you're, you're it. Let me tell you what this verse means. It means that Noah wasn't afraid of being different. He was a man of deep convictions and nothing was going to move him off of those convictions. Nothing. Because of his convictions, he wasn't afraid to stand out because of his convictions, he wasn't afraid to stand alone. Because of his convictions, he wasn't afraid of what other people thought about him. All Noah cared about was God and what God thought. And, and in that culture, that was different. That was really different. He was it. 
While everybody else was going one way, Noah said, not me. I'm not going that way. I'm going to go God's way. It doesn't matter what people say about me. It doesn't matter what they blog about me, what they post about me, what they, what they get on TV and say about me. I don't care. What I care about is living a holy, righteous life before God. That's what, that's, what he, that's what mattered to him. He didn't care about what the majority was doing. He was willing to stand alone. And this pleased God. Beloved, I guarantee you that if you stand for Jesus Christ and his word, you'll find favor with God. You'll find favor with him. You'll find favor with God. You may not find favor with your spouse. You may not find favor with your kids. You may not find favor with your parents. You may not find favor with your neighbors. You may not find favor with the boss. You may not find favor with the people around you in your, you know, foursome or whatever, but you'll find favor with God. You'll find favor with God. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 12, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Beloved, there's a, a tremendous amount of pressure out there for all of us to conform to the culture, right? Especially you know, those of us that are followers of Christ, there's this unbelievable pressure to somehow walk away from the clear teachings of the scriptures and somehow just conform to what the world is teaching and what the world is throwing at us, you see. But God says, don't do that. Don't do it. Why? Because conformity is often, not always, but often the enemy of Christianity. See, conformity says, I'm going to be like everybody else, whether it's right or wrong. And when you have this attitude, it makes it tough for God to use you. When you say, you know what, I, I don't know, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, people are not going to like me, and you throw that out, you just do whatever you want to do and just kind of go along with everybody else. God can use anybody. He can do anything he wants. I just know that one of the things that God saw in the life of Noah was that that wasn't his life. It didn't matter how everybody else was living. He was going to live a holy life, a righteous life. And then he was going to let the chips fall where they may. Here's the deal. In America, we don't have to worry about being killed for our faith, at least not now. Weird how fast the world's changing, though, isn't it? Wow. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable how fast the world's changing. Nobody's going to come to your door and knock you down and haul you off to jail because you're, you're a Christian, at least not yet. But we do have to worry about the sin, listen, the sin of blending in. 
The sin of not having any beliefs or values or convictions because we don't want to stick out in a crowd, which is why people go along with the majority. They don't want to stick out, so they conform because they're afraid of what people will think of them. They're, they're afraid that maybe I'll lose the deal. Maybe I won't you know, get the job. Maybe I won't whatever. I won't be asked to the right parties. I won't get invited to you know, be in that foursome anymore or whatever the thing might be. Proverbs chapter 29 says it's, a dang, it's dangerous to be concerned with, with what others think of you, but if you trust the Lord, you, you, you're safe. Now, I do think we as believers ought to, you know, um, live in, so I care about what people think about me. I do. I, I have my, my character that I worry about and I, I treasure. I care about what, what people think to some degree. But man, when, when you're just concerned about what everybody else thinks, wow, it's a dangerous thing. You're in trouble. One of the th reasons Noah pleased God was because he didn't care what everybody else thought of him. He only cared about what God thought about him. And when you live like that, I'll tell you what, it just pleases the Lord. It really does. Now, number two, or the second thing that Noah did that pleased God was this, is that Noah never gave up standing alone for the Lord. And this is important. A lot of people give their life to Christ and man, they're on fire for the Lord, you know, and everything's going great for a while and then something happens. Somebody, oh, you're one of those Bible thumpers, eh? You're one of those right-wing fanaticals, huh? You're one of those bigots, those haters, huh? Then all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, this, this is like real, man. I just, I don't know, I kind of like the music. It was kind of, you know, chairs were nice. I can out like a guy with a salmon shirt. I mean, come on. I didn't realize this, this was going to get, you know, crazy here. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3 says, Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. Basically what God was saying there is that there's a limit to his patience. There's a time uh, limit as to what he's gonna put up with as it relates to the disobedience of the human race. His days will be 120 years. And basically what God was saying here was that it was, he was gonna destroy the world or judge the world in 120 years. Now why did God wait 120 years to destroy the earth? Well. I think there are probably a number of reasons, but one of the main reasons is because that was going to be how long it took Noah to build the ark. It was going to take him 120 years. You know, they didn't have all the modern equipment that, that we, we have today. So here's the question I, I ask myself. Listen, could I have maintained, you know, my enthusiasm for a project that took that long to complete? Could I have stayed motivated for 120 years? Could I have stood for the Lord, I mean, and never gave up for 120, could I have pulled that off for 120? We don't know if it was 120, 130, somewhere in that zone. Man, I don't know. Imagine every night that Noah came home, you know, for dinner and Mrs. Noah said, man, how was work today, honey? And for 120 years, he said the same thing. Uh, 
building a boat. <laughs> well, where are you at? Well, I'm just building the boat, you know. For 120 years, you know, it was the same thing over and over again. 120 years. I got to believe that there were days when Noah just hated to look at that boat. <laughs> days where he said, you know, I don't want to work on that thing anymore. Think about it. I've worked on this thing for five years, man. I've worked on this thing for 20 years. I have worked on this thing for 50 years. I have worked on this thing for 75 years. Just give me my gold watch and let me get out of here. Somebody else take over, man. Imagine, no, no, I mean, you, gotta, you, gotta, you can read Genesis 6, 7, and 8, you know, and read it real quick and, and not just kind of get into the humanity of what was happening with this guy. I've, I've been here at Big Valley Grace doing this for about 30 years, 29 years on paid, full-time paid staff. 29, 29 years, here's the thing. I, I don't know about 50, man. I don't know if I could pull that off. I don't even want to. You know, it's like, whoa! This guy never gave up. No wonder God said, man, I like that guy. I like that guy, man. That guy never gave up. <laughs> never quit. One of the reasons why God doesn't use many people is because people tend to give up too soon. They hit one little bump in the road and they're ready to quit, right? Isn't that true? Think about this. Think about all the people that were in Noah's life as he was building the ark, okay, 120 years. Imagine the mockery. Imagine the abuse. Imagine how many times he was laughed at or made fun of or ridiculed or thought insane. Think about it. He, he's putting up with this for 120 years. He never gave up. He was willing to stand alone, and he just wasn't going to give up. He believed. You can't miss that about Noah. He believed. He believed. 120 years of just all kinds of crud this guy put up with. 120 years, you know what he was telling the people? You need to repent of your sin. You know how many converts he had in 120 years? 120 years, you know, I, I, I don't, I, there's been a few times in camps or somewhere where I've said, hey look, anybody want to receive Christ, just come on up here, raise your hand or whatever. I, I always see a hand. Somebody gives their life to Christ. 120 years this guy went, <laughs> Nobody? 120 years he told people, look, man, God's coming. He, he's going to wipe the planet out. He's tired of all the sin and junk. You need to repent of your sin. And for 120 years, nobody, not a soul, went into the altar room. How weird is that? And yet there he was every day going to work, doing whatever, man, oh, crazy. 
I think people thought he was probably a crackpot. Weirdo. I don't know. Noah showed up, I don't know, to go into the local, I don't know, Home Depot. <laughs> you know, whatever they had, I don't know. Oh no, there's that guy, he's gonna take all the wood again. We can't, we can't get any wood around here, man. He's got all the nails tied up and the wood and the hammers. That guy, he's building that thing. He was, he was hundreds of miles away from any body of water. It'd be like building a ginormous boat like in, you know, the desert over here, you know, in, in Nevada. It, it had never rained on the planet up to that point. Never. I didn't even know what rain was. Think that through. You're doing what? Well, this boat, the flood thing's coming, and he's going to wipe everybody with the rain in 40 days. What? What are you talking about? I got to think that his family thought he was nuts at times. I mean, how would you like to have been one of Noah's kids? I mean, here's your dad building this humongous boat in the front yard, man. I mean, I don't know what the CC&Rs were back then, but I just got to believe that somebody went, this guy's nuts, man. You know, I'm, I'm having some fun here. But think about it. Could you have put up with being misunderstood and criticized and ridiculed and rejected and put down year after year after year after decade after decade after decade because of your convictions? Galatians chapter 6 says this, so let us not become tired of doing good, for if we do not give up, the time will come when we will reap the harvest. Those are pretty good words for us as believers. I'll tell you what, in the culture we live in, it, 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 you can get beat up. I've been, I've been discouraged last couple of weeks over some things. Um, <laughs> just God's word says, hey, don't, 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 just keep being, just keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. There's coming a day. There's coming a day. Listen, every day that Noah went out and worked on that boat, you know he preached a sermon? Now he didn't stand up in a church, behind a podium and give a speech. Instead he preached the most effective type of sermon. He preached with his life. I mean, every day for 120 years as he nailed those nails and built those boards and bent that wood into shape, he was saying to the world, I believe in God. That's what he was saying. I believe in God. I believe in God. Hey, you're nuts, pal. I believe in God. He just kept doing it. Just kept doing it. Unbelievable, man. Look, when you start to get discouraged for whatever reason, you feel like throwing in the towel, you feel like quitting, you, you need to remember that, that God's in control. There's coming a day when he's going to return and he's going to make all the wrongs right. He, he'll, he'll, he'll settle the, the, the score. Now, number three. The third thing I want to point out about Noah is this. Uh, Noah, uh, Noah obeyed the, the word of the Lord. And I've said all these to you like 20 times over the last, you know, 10 years, just different ways. 
Genesis chapter six says, Noah did everything just as God commanded. It says the same thing in chapter seven. Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Now, now I, 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 he didn't do like, like part of it. He didn't do some of it. The Bible is very clear that Noah did it all. He didn't argue, he didn't complain, he didn't come up with a better idea. He simply did what God told him to do, and this pleases the Lord. It makes God happy when you follow his instructions, just like it makes you happy as a parent, right, when your kids follow your instructions. You see, there's gonna be many, many times as we, you know, when we as believers will read the word of God and we're gonna read something and go, wow, hold on a second, really? Is that, is that really what I as a follower of Christ am to, to follow and believe? Man, if I, if I tell someone I believe that, wow, it doesn't even make any sense to me. That seems harsh. This is the 21st century. I think I'm just going to take that and I'll follow 92% of the word. I'll follow 96% of the word, but there's 4% of it. I just think that's mean. I think it's harsh. I don't agree with it. <laughs> Noah did everything. Everything. Psalms 147 says, his pleasure is not, that's God's pleasure, is not in strong horses, nor is delight in brave soldiers, but he takes pleasure in those who honor him. And I don't think you can honor the Lord apart from honoring his word. I don't think you can say, man, I honor the Lord. I love the Lord. I care about the Lord. Now, I'm, I'm going to leave the Bible over here. I'm not going to live by that because there's some things in there I don't like. I like doing my own thing, and I like whatever all the stuff is, whatever the, the stuff God says stay away from. But I, I love him. Well, I don't know. Noah honored God by being obedient to his word. He honored God by trusting in what God said. He had an incredible faith. And this is why it says that Noah brought pleasure to God. Hebrews chapter 11 says, by faith, he believed. God trusted. When warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, he built an ark to save his family. He didn't know the flood was coming. He didn't know anything. God just said, here's, here's a deal, do it, and he does it. That's belief, that's trusting, when you don't really understand the whole deal. He didn't get it. God just said, do it, and he did it. There's a lot we can learn from this man, a lot more than I could ever cover in one message, but, but these three things are, are the things that have always stood out to me about Noah. He was a, a man that was willing to stand alone for the Lord. He was a, a man that, that never gave up standing alone for the Lord, and he was a man that obeyed the word of the Lord. It says this in Ephesians chapter five, the Holy Spirit fills our brother Paul, and then Paul pins these words, okay? The Bible says to us, 
Try to learn what pleases the Lord. That's pretty good. Try to learn it. And so every Saturday night, Sunday morning, men's Bible studies, women's Bible studies, all that we do, we open up the Word of God because we think you're here because you're trying to learn what pleases the Lord. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what John Byron thinks or Rick Thompson thinks or your Bobby Kirchner thinks. It doesn't matter what Rick Sasser thinks or Gretchen Miller thinks. Who cares what any of us think? What matters is, is this. What pleases the Lord? And so, so all I can do is take this and show you what pleases him. That's all I can do. I don't have anything else. I got nothing else. This is the only bullet I got in the gun. This is it. Anything else, I, I'm, I'm, I'm speculating. I, I, I don't know. This is what I know. This is what God left. He could have made this five more pages long if he wanted to. He could have given us a little bit more data. And by the way, this isn't everything there is to know about God, but it's what he wanted us to know. And the Bible says that we're to, we're to try to learn what pleases him. One version says, figure out what pleases Christ and then do it. I mean, in other words, back to what Bobby said. Don't just be a hearer, but be a doer. It pleases the Lord when you stand for him. It pleases the Lord when you never give up standing for him. It pleases the Lord when you obey him. Now, what gave Noah the confidence to stand for God in the midst of such evil and wickedness for so many years? Where did Noah get the power to never give up? Where did Noah get the faith to obey everything that God told him to do? Well, I think we see the answer in verse nine. The last seven words, he says, he, the Bible says, he, that's Noah, walked in close fellowship with God. Now, I don't know what that looked like back then. That was thousands of years ago. Obviously, you know, Noah didn't have the scriptures. He was hearing directly from God. I'm sure there were things that were passed down generationally from Adam and Eve and then, you know, to Cain and Abel and their kids and so on and so forth, and he's hearing directly from, from God. But this is what gave Noah the, 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 the juice, if you will, to pull this off. This is the reason Noah could say, I don't care what everybody else is doing. I don't care what the world thinks is right or wrong. I don't care what the majority thinks is right or wrong. I'm going to follow what God says. Walking closely with the Lord is, is critical to being able to withstand the pressures of, of, of the world or the culture or whatever. If you're not walking closely with the Lord, if you're not enjoying your time in the Word of God and meditating on the Word of God and memorizing the Word of God and, and studying the Word of God and you're not spending time in prayer and in fellowship with other believers, let me just tell you something. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I think, that in my opinion, right there, that was the key. That was the key to this unbelievable life that we know of, the, the, the life of, of Noah. Now, with the few minutes that I have remaining, I want to talk to you about this week's passage, okay, which is also this week's memory verse, and I think you're going to like it <laughs> compared, compared to last week's. And if we screw up this week's, next week, man, I'm going to tell you, right, we got, we got some troubles, okay? In John chapter 11, verse 35, it says, Jesus wept. 
shortest verse in all the Bible. I didn't pick it because it's the shortest verse in all the Bible. I've often heard it used in jokes. It's just my memorized word, Jesus, blah, 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 blah. And I don't, I don't know if the average follower of Jesus understands the power and what is, what's behind those two words that Jesus cried. Jesus shed tears. Jesus wept. And as I was kind of thinking through what are all the, the verses that I think people ought to know and understand and you know, obviously, Genesis 1-1, I think everything is just built on, on that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I think how we live as believers, you know, Second Chronicles 7-14, that, that God is looking for humility, that God is, is looking for people that seek after him, that God is looking for people who, who turn from evil, and it's at that moment that somehow it perks up the, the ears of God. And he's, he, he's more apt to maybe answer our prayers. But I'll tell you right now, um, th this is an important passage also. Um, I, I thought about this. Tears speak a different language, don't they? You, you can walk into a room of people and, and, um, and everybody's just there and everybody's talking or hanging out and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But once you lock on to somebody that's crying, everything changes at that moment. There's something going on deep, deep within the person. Something's happening. It, it catches your attention like nothing else. Uh, last week in our home group on, on Sunday night, we got done, we're all having a great time talking or whatever, and one person in our group all of a sudden was crying. Well, guess what? If everybody's laughing, having a good time, you know what? You, you go get a donut or whatever the thing is, you know, and you get some more tea. You kind of go about whatever's going on. You get up, talk, laugh, joke around, whatever. But once you see someone crying, guess what? Everything stops. There's something weighty going on. This is important. Well, we need to know. Tell us what's happening in your life that we, we and then all of a sudden we, we get the story. We get the reason why there's the, 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 the tears. And so what I want to do is just tell you a little bit about why there's tears right here. What's up with Jesus? What's going on here in, in John chapter 11 that's making Jesus weep? Well, Jesus hears that his friend, Lazarus, had, has died. Okay, Lazarus was uh, Martha and Mary's brother. And Jesus was super close to all of them, okay? He, he would have, um, I don't know, they would have been some of Jesus' closest friends. Today's culture, they were BFFs. I don't, I don't know. And when Jesus finally shows up to the place where Lazarus has been buried, it says that Jesus wept. And the reason Jesus wept wasn't because his friend had died necessarily, because Jesus knows that he's going to raise Lazarus from the grave, and he does. So, so he knows he's going to see Lazarus again. He's going to see him in a few minutes. So it's not like, ah, he's bummed because he never gets to see his buddy again, you know, this side of glory or, or whatever. I think he was crying because of, the, of what sin had done to the human race. I think this might take us back maybe to Noah. 
God looking at, at all the sin, how grieved he was over it. Now, God promised that he was never going to destroy the earth again or the human race again with water. The next time he destroys the human race, he, the Bible tells us it'll be with fire. But I think he looks out and he sees what sin has done to the human race. He's crying because he saw the pain and the sorrow and the confusion that sin had brought to the human race. He's crying because this wasn't what God had intended for us, Genesis 1 and 2. God never wanted us to experience pain and sorrow and death, but when Adam sinned in the garden, it changed everything. And here we see God weeping over what had happened to us, his special creation. He's weeping because he sees the pain and the sorrow in Mary's heart. He's weeping and, and, and because he sees the, the pain and the sorrow that's in Martha's heart. He's, he's weeping because he sees the pain and the sorrow of all those that have gathered you know, at Lazarus' grave. And he's seeing what, what, what sin has done. This, this was not what the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit were thinking about when it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, let us make human life in our image, in our likeness. This was not what God had intended. But when Adam sinned, wow. You get, you get Noah Wiping everybody out. What? You get Cain killing Abel, man, the first two kids. Nine generations later, eight generations later, man, the planet's so evil, God says, I just got to wipe it out. And now here it is 2,000 years ago, and Jesus shows up, and he just sees all of the pain and the sorrow of life. This is not what he wanted. This was not what the Father wanted. The death and just, just how messed up life is. And so he's weeping. All this to say that God cares about people. He cares about you. Peter said this. He said, give all your worries and cares to God because he cares about you. Now, Peter was a man who walked with Jesus. They hung out together. They ate meals together. They had breakfast, lunch, and dinner together. They were on boats together. They had coffee together. Uh, uh, I, mean, I mean, maybe nobody closer in, in Jesus' life than maybe P Peter. Peter would not have pinned those words if it was not true. But he knew. You, 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 you give all the stuff to God, all the pain and the sorrow and the heartache of life, just give it to him, and here's why. Because he cares. I know he cares. P Peter knew he cared. He experienced it. There were a number of things that I could have said about these two words, Jesus wept. But I just put one thing down, and I wish I could have changed it. You know, I gotta give this stuff to the people early, but Jesus' tears show, show us how much he cares about us. I think that little verse right there just screams out at the top of its lungs, Jesus cares, he cares. No matter what you think, no matter what you feel, the reality is, is that Jesus cares deeply about your life and all that's going on in your life. 
Psalms 56 records some of the most beautiful words ever written. The Bible says, you, that's God, keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. <laughs> Is that just beautiful imagery? That's talking about God. God's kept a record of every tear that has flown from your eyes. He saw the tears that, that came when, when you lost your child. He saw the tears that came when you lost your spouse. He saw the tears that came when you lost your friends. He saw the tears that came when you were abused. He saw the tears that came when you were mistreated. He saw the tears that came when you were hurt and rejected. He saw the tears that came when you heard about the infidelity of your spouse. He, he knows about it all. God, God is able to look over this audience here, and he knows not only about the sin and the crud, just like he did in Genesis chapter 6, but he knows about all the pain and the heartache and the sorrow. He knows about it all. He knows it. He sees it. And he cares deeply about it. God has kept a record of all your tears. Beloved, God cares about you. In fact, he cares more about you than you'll ever know. He cares more about you than I could ever explain. And all you have to do is, you know, go back to this moment in history where the sun is hanging on a cross. <laughs> For you, unbelievable. And he hung there on that cross for you, and here you are today, and some of you don't even believe in him. Some of you mock him. I know I did for a long time. And somehow God opened my eyes to the truth that, you know what, hold on here a second. This is real. God did create me. I'm made in his image. Man, sin had messed up my life. I was doomed because of my sin. I was going to spend my life separated from Christ forever in a place that was designed for the devil and the demons, and yet God loved me so much he sent his son Jesus Christ to come and die for me and cleanse me of my sin that I would spend my eternity with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit forever. Forever. That's a God who cares deeply about us, he cares deeply about you. And maybe you're here and you've never given your life to that God. Maybe you think that the God revealed in this book is just angry, and he's not angry. He's a God who weeps, cries over your sin, your life, the pain, sorrow, and all that. Maybe you'd like to give your life to him tonight. Why don't you, why don't you close your eyes for just a second? And I'm going to trust that maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit was opening up somebody's eyes in here. I just did my best to speak truth and the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes to the light and you'd like to receive Christ as your Savior. You've never given your life to Christ, never. You didn't even know why you were coming tonight. Well, you do now because you can just feel it, you know, your heart pumping right now. You just know it. You just know why God brought you here, that you could give your life to him, begin a relationship with him tonight. And if that's you, just right where you're at, just quietly, I don't know, say these words in your heart, but mean them, just mean them. Just say, Jesus, 
I give you my life. I understand who you are. Come into my life and cleanse me of my sin. I surrender myself to you, Jesus. I want you to be the, the, the CEO of my life. I'm no longer it, but you're going to be it. I humble myself before you right now, Jesus. And if you're out there and your eyes are closed right now, and, and, and you prayed that, you just invited Christ into your life. You, you just say, Christ, come in. I, I need you. I need you to cleanse me of my sin. Just, just raise your hand that, that I, I, I could see it. Let me just rejoice with you. Yeah, a couple of you right here. Yeah, up there in the balconies. If I see you, yeah, right up here. Anybody else? Anybody over here? Yeah, yeah, a couple of you right down here. Cool. Yeah, right. Man, I've got a whole row of you back there. All right, hey, hey look, look up here. Here's the deal. Maybe online you were going, wow, man, I, I, I just prayed, and obviously I couldn't see your hand. Here's the deal. You could email me. You could email the church. Let me know that you prayed that, and I'll get back to you ASAP. Um, but for those of you that raised your hand, there were a whole bunch of you. And here's the deal. I just want to make this invitation to you. We're going to end here. These doors are going to open up, and our pastors and elders and Spiritual leaders, or we have a room called the altar room, and doors are open. It's a real beautiful place. And if you just go in and say, hey, I, I don't know what's going on in my life, but I pray. Well, man, we just love to you know, get your name, and I'll, you know, I'm not going to show up at your door, but I'll know, and I'll be praying for you. I'll send you an email, and maybe you don't own a Bible. Let us give you a Bible so you can start reading you know, the scriptures for yourself, that you can begin to read about God for yourself. This is a pretty easy book to understand. God didn't write this to trick anybody. It's super easy to understand. Let us give you a Bible if you need one. And so just take a second, go into the room, and you know, there may be a line of people, but it's, it's, worth, it's worth waiting for. Uh, okay. Why don't we all stand, and I'm going to ask, um, uh, well, no, 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 here's the deal. I'll do it, and then I want you to pray, okay? I'm gonna, we're going to end on a, on a good note here. Let's see if we can all do our memory verse for the week. <laughs> all right, here we go. One, two, three. Jesus wept. You pray, you pray.